0: i think richardson looking for ETM to block which he does and here goes richardson long strider and keeps his balance what a run by anthony richardson superman in and he says i won't back down absolutely spectacular 81 yard touchdown run by anthony richardson
1: Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. I am here today for another prospect preview talking about the very controversial Anthony Richardson. I'm sure everyone's seen that 81-yard touchdown run that we started the show off. And I'm joined once again by Paul Patterson to discuss A. Rich. How's it going, Paul?
0: It's going great. I'm uh, glad to be back talking about another prospect, another polarizing prospect, I would say. But had a great time the first time talking about Gibbs and uh, expect to come up with some more great takes today.
1: Yeah, definitely go back and check out that Jameer Gibbs podcast. If you haven't yet, uh, Paul did a great job of convincing me to take Gibbs over Jackson Smith, the Jigba at this point uh, we'll see if Paul can convince me to take Anthony Richardson over B genre. I mean, over CJ and Bryce young. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll see if we can get there by the end of the pod. Uh, So to start out with Paul, you want to just tell everyone where they can find you. I know you just updated your uh, Twitter handle.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I went ahead and made a change. I'm no longer at Fantasy Freezer on Twitter. Uh, Just simplified things a little bit. I'm at Paul underscore DFF, DFF being Dynasty Football Factory, where my content is now. So that's where you can find me. And uh, as always, you know, check out the site, too, if you get a chance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and you want to give us a little bit of a reminder for those that didn't listen to the Gibbs podcast. What What's the basis of your uh, kind of scouting regimen?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my scouting is very much data driven. You know, I like to look at past history, see how players fit into sort of different buckets uh, of production and, you know, it's kind of like player comps but not so much just the the play style or the the physical aspects but more so what did players do in college how are they deployed um, combining that with you know size and athleticism draft capital and then sorting them into these various groups of expectations in the nfl so i'm not necessarily a film grinder i'm not even necessarily like a data scientist you know in, of the highest order i'm not excellent at the R squared stuff. But I know where to look for information, know how to synthesize it and find the stuff that matters, I think, which has been good for me in my process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and for an eval like Anthony Richardson, that's pretty much the key because there's not, for, for a guy as controversial as Richardson, there's not a whole lot of disagreement about what he can do well and what he can't do well. I mean, we're, we're going to get into that stuff as we go throughout the pod. I, I did watch 11 of his games, uh, coded every single one of his plays. The numbers did not surprise me. I mean, he's nowhere close to CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in terms of the success rate, um, in terms of basically any category other than rushing. Um, and I'll, I'll get into more of those uh, findings later on in the pod. But the question here is more of a game theory, dynasty question of what is the potential upside worth and what is the potential downside worth and then what are the odds that he hits that upside that's basically what we're trying to figure out because I think everyone kind of knows what
0: Richardson is as a player at this point yeah totally totally agree there uh, and the, the that's really such hard questions to answer there is no consensus there's no history to fall back on exactly uh, all we can do is kind of look at market trends and look at scoring thresholds for quarterbacks and just try to make our most educated assumptions about what's going to happen for Richardson and how we could capitalize on that for our dynasty teams
1: yeah absolutely so that th- this pot is quickly going to devolve into talking about expected values and ceiling outcomes and percentile outcomes and things like that but let's start off with just going over what Richardson is as a player uh, go over a bit of his history maybe his recruiting background
0: Yeah, well, you know, unsurprisingly, uh, Richardson was not recruited as a pure quarterback. According to 24-7 Sports, he was recruited as a dual position player. So it was unclear, I guess, whether he was going to play quarterback or another position in college. Actually, Bryce Young was in that categorization as well, although he was number one in the recruitment class. Richardson was ninth, Uh, but he ended up going to Florida, didn't do too much until this past 2022 season when he became the starter there. Um, went ahead and put together a pretty mediocre season as a, as a passer, 2,549 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, uh, but was pretty good on the ground. 103 rush attempts, 654 yards, nine rushing touchdowns. That was all in 12 games. So, you know, it's really just the one season for us to look at. And uh, and that's really what we're basing everything on with Richardson, which maybe makes some people nervous. You know, it's it's understandable. Experience, you know, unexperienced player. He's still not twenty one years old. We don't know a lot about what he's going to be in the future, but that's what he's done so far.
1: Yeah, and and Anthony Richardson played a lot of quarterback in college, not in high school. Sorry, not a, not even exclusively quarterback um but he is relatively new to the position he also played played uh, basketball in high school he was basically you know for everyone who's played ncaa football he was basically just athlete um and you could kind of pick his position is he going to be a tight end there was some question he might even be a defensive end and he's come out and been a quarterback and he was inconsistent to say the most last year um Only 54% completion rate is something that's largely being cited. Only 7.8 yards per attempt is very low for the college level. The 17 to 9 TD TD to interception ratio isn't terrible, but it's certainly not good. You know, 17 touchdowns in 12 games for a big program like Florida is not great. One thing I did want to point out is that he did improve over the course of the season, in his last 6 games he had a 12 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio which is much closer to what we want to see and his completion percentage also improved slightly although not a whole lot so he's new to the position he's still learning the position and from a film perspective it very you can very much tell his his anticipation is quite honestly terrible he has not yet learned how to manipulate uh, zone defenders, how to move the safeties with his eyes. He's often just a one read quarterback and then tuck and run. Obviously running the ball was the best part of his game. And that was really the scheme at Florida. You know, if the first guy's not open, maybe get to a second read, if it's on the same side of the field, but you should probably just tuck the ball and run. And, and you mentioned some of his rushing stats, 654 yards on 103 attempts, but we know that college actually includes sacks. So if you get rid of sacks, his rushing totals were even more impressive, 735 yards on 88 attempts. That's good for 8.4 yards per attempt, which is an insane number for a quarterback. And those 735 yards in 12 games, that's basically 60, 65 yards a game rushing. So we know he's an incredible athlete, arguably the best athlete to ever play the position at quarterback. Um, and the passing game leads uh, leaves quite a bit to be desired.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to put some context on that, you know, most athletic quarterback ever, he really genuinely is. He's ran a four-four-three forty at the combine, 40 and a half inch vertical, 10 point, sorry, 10 inch, 10 foot, nine inch broad jump. And that's all at six foot four, 244 pounds. So, you know, his best comp is basically Derrick Henry. Uh, (laughs) yeah and he and honestly i mean we're not really sure if he's even better at throwing the football than derrick henry so that 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 might be your your pure comp right there but truly outrageous athletic ability which is what has everybody so excited
1: yeah absolutely and you know there have been obviously some insane athletes at the quarterback position um cam newton for instance six five two forty eight richardson six four two forty four pretty much the same however Anthony Richardson, you said four, four, three, 40. Cam Newton was a four, six. His vertical was four. Richardson was 40. Cam Newton's was 35. The broad jump Anthony Richardson was three inches longer. It, everything. He's a better athlete than Cam Newton. The other comp I hear a lot is Dante Culpepper, 6'4, 255, but his 40 yard dash was a 10th of a second slower. His vertical was one inch less. His broad jump was seven inches less. So really Anthony Richardson you know perfect 10 relative athletic score he he's just the most absurd athlete um and you know Derek Henry five for six passing the ball in the NFL he's got a better completion percentage than Anthony Richardson <laughs> so maybe that's not a bad comp if if he could put up those types of numbers
0: yeah the issue right is uh is that Cam Newton was a little bit better at throwing the ball in college. So we can't pencil AR in for that unanimous MVP selection just yet, but you know, we can cross our fingers at least.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Cam Newton obviously was a, was a Heisman winner and a national champion. Uh, Anthony Richardson was not uh, and really struggled passing the ball. Um, I, I'm just going to touch on a few more of the notes that I had in my film, and then we'll dive into kind of what we expect and where we would go into to draft him. So let's talk about just passing the ball first. The the thing that I will say about Richardson and the reason he has so much upside, he can basically do, he can do everything. He can't do it consistently at all, but he has excellent arm strength. Um, he's shown the ability to have pretty good ball placement. Uh, he doesn't have good touch. That's one thing that I found for him, especially in the intermediate region of the field. So, he can throw the twenty yard out to the far hash on a dime, on a bullet. He cannot throw, you know, a post route thirty yards, trying to put a little bit more touch on the ball. Um, he's really only has one speed to his passes for the most part. Um, I already mentioned earlier he's a pretty terrible processor. But when he's in the pocket, his mechanics are actually quite good. He gets his legs under him. Um, He has pretty good form. Uh, His follow through is actually quite good, better than CJ Stroud, I actually found. Um, And when he's outside the pocket, you know, at times he made some absurd throws. You know, the Josh Allen type throws, rolling out to his right, throwing sixty yards in the air, hitting a receiver in stride. But he was also super inaccurate at times, and and he got in his head a lot. He had four different stretches just in the eleven games I watched with at least six straight incompletions that that's just absolutely terrible. Um, He had one stretch where he had 13 straight incompletions. Um, He would just really lose his mechanics a lot, especially when he got outside the pocket, especially when there was pass rush in his face. He wasn't good at navigating the pocket. He was very much playing like a player learning how to play the position um, and not doing all the things we'd like to see from a quarterback in terms of anticipating where the defense is going to be, keeping mind of the coverage, moving on to your second pro- second and third progressions, moving the safety with his eyes, all of that type of stuff. Um, his decision-making, you know, he, he would be about to take a sack and he would just throw the ball up there. Uh, a, a lot to be desired. I mean, there were some Jameis Winston-esque decisions that he was making, uh, with way too much uh,
0: it, way too much regularity. Yeah, I think that's kind of just a detailed look at what have, we've kind of known to be true, which is that he's a very, very raw passer, very, very good athlete great at you know scrambling, he's good at avoiding sacks, extending plays, you know, doing stuff in the open field. but when it comes to all those different qualities that make an elite passer, he is far, far away from you know mastering those things.
1: Yeah, and and one thing, I I mean, I, I touched on all of his passing work. One thing I do want to touch on is his running work because obviously we know he was a prolific runner, I already said, over 700 yards, over 8 yards per carry, but it's not just that. I mean, he forced 39 missed tackles on 65 rushing attempts, according to PFF. That is abs- That is Derek Henry-type numbers. That is absolutely nuts. He's not an elusive-type runner, I would actually say, Bryce Young, for instance, has more wiggle to him, but Richardson is just going to run over you and run by you. He is excellent contact balance. If I was grading him as just you know a running back in terms of his ability in the open field, he's very similar to some of the top running backs in this class, honestly, at least in terms of his power, his speed, and his contact balance. He is going to be an absolute monster in the open field. And I think he's a better runner of the football, at least in the open field than Cam Newton, where Cam Newton – Obviously was excellent, scored a ton of touchdowns, but he wasn't the huge yards guy, at least in the NFL. Um, I do think Anthony Richardson could be a guy who gets 700 plus yards rushing the football in the NFL. While Cam Newton, he got 700 yards his first two seasons, but it was really those 14 rushing touchdowns that made him the player he was. I, I think Richardson's actually a better rusher than Cam Newton was.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we all saw the highlight plays of Justin Fields last year when he would run for those 75 yard scramble touchdowns. You know, he had one against the Dolphins. He had almost another one against the Eagles. And you just got to keep in mind that Richardson has that same level of speed in a bigger body. So, you know, he's going to be a terror uh, in the open field. If he gets to that second level, it's going to be almost impossible to bring him down. Uh, So, yeah, you know, totally agree I think he's got more rushing upside in terms of yardage than we saw even from Cam Newton
1: yeah absolutely and the other guy that I comped into was Dante Culpepper uh Culpepper was you know in the 400 to 600 yard range in the five to ten touchdown range um, I think that Richardson's a better rusher than him as well uh, you know he he's not Lamar Jackson because he's not that agile um, he's not Justin Fields because he's not that agile but he has Justin Fields speed in Cam Newton's body and and you just don't see a lot of players like that so when he gets in the open field I mean Richardson going let me go back to my notes he had touchdown runs of 45 60 73 80 and 81 yards that that's just insane That that is Chris Johnson like numbers
0: sounds
1: pretty good to me yeah not bad not bad at all so without further ado I I think we know who Anthony Richardson is but let's talk about what that means let's talk about should you be drafting him at the 102 should you be drafting a guy who might be Josh Allen might be Cam Newton but he might be out of the NFL in three years because he really is not a good quarterback at this point what is that worth from a dynasty perspective
0: well what it's worth if he hits is you've got a top five to six ish asset in dynasty that's providing difference-making production, irreplaceable production uh, at a position that's incredibly difficult to trade for. You know, if you go to your league mates and you're like, Hey, I want to buy Josh Allen, or I want to buy Patrick Mahomes, or I want to buy, you know, before this past season, Justin Herbert, um, usually they're just going to laugh at you or they're going to say, no, like, these quarterbacks are exorbitantly expensive, and that's when they get traded. Most of the time, it's just a door closed in your face. So the potential is an asset that you can't really get any other way, providing production that can win you your league. Uh, the The question is, what are the odds we get that kind of production, and what are we foregoing to take the swing on that? Um, and that is very tricky. I think right now as it stands if if we assume that cj stroud bryce young and anthony richardson all go in the top 10 in the nfl draft i would be inclined to take richardson at 102. i think i said on the gibbs pod that there's a good argument to take jameer gibbs at 102. i still think that in a vacuum however i do believe that these three quarterbacks are going to be consistently valued ahead of gibbs by the market assuming that draft capital and so I wouldn't advise taking Gibbs at 102, even if I think that's the right move, just because you're leaving a lot on the table. So you want to trade back to 105, 106 and get Gibbs there. I'm still going to be all for that. Like I said, you know, I I haven't changed my stance on what I think he's worth. But if you find yourself in that 102, 103 spot and you can't move back, I think the market is going to dictate that you have to take the swing on one of those quarterbacks because they've just been juiced up so high in dynasty startups. You know, they're already going in that late second, early third round zone. So the hopes are very high. And, and honestly, it's, it's because of what I said, it's because it's so hard to get these quarterbacks, you can't trade for them. And so everybody just wants the chance to, uh, to get the next one.
1: Yeah. And and the ceiling of a guy like Richardson, let's start talking about the ceiling and then we'll go into what the floor might be. So the ceiling, like you mentioned, is a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and I'm going to note that the ceiling of those guys is way higher than Joe Burrow. So Mahomes, Allen, Hurts average three points a game or so more than Joe Burrow, and they are valued significantly higher than Joe Burrow. You could sometimes get a first round pick on top of a guy like Burrow. uh, Sorry, you could trade down from Mahomes to a guy like Burrow and get a first round pick for that move down. So there is really a large gap there. So not only does Richardson have a, top, have a chance to be a top eight guy, like a guy like, you know, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, he has a chance to be a top three guy. And you look at the history of the NFL, he has a chance to put up 25 plus point per game seasons, which just doesn't happen that often. So I went back and looked back, since 2000, there have been 76 seasons for a quarterback to have 21 plus points per game. That's about three per season. Those quarterbacks averaged 316 rushing yards. So that's pretty solid, about 20 rushing yards a game. If you narrow that down to quarterbacks at putting up 25 plus points per game, first of all, the only quarterbacks to do that who didn't have at least 35 rushing yards a game were Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. So basically, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young cannot do that unless they become all-time great players, which to me is out of their range of outcomes. So the best seasons that didn't do that, Aaron Rodgers, who who rushes for at least 20 yards a game most of his seasons, Andrew Luck in one season put up 22.9, and then Matt Ryan in his two, you know, potential MVP seasons put up 24 points a game, but no one else put up more than 25 points a game other than Aaron Rodgers and Russian quarterbacks. So that would be, you know, the Lamar Jackson season, the Josh Allen season, the Jalen Hurts season, the Patrick Mahomes season. So if you want a guy who's going to win a league, if you're getting 26 points a game at the quarterback position, that is five more points than the QB four. The QB one is getting five more points than the QB four in that situation that is worth the difference between Travis Kelsey and Evan Ingram. So that is the potential that you're getting by drafting a guy like Anthony Richardson. If he hits a ceiling, you are essentially getting an extra extra superstar. And that's why these top three guys are worth so much more than all of these other players. That is his absolute ceiling. Now, whether he gets there, we can talk about that as well, but when you're drafting him at 102, he has the potential, even if Stroud hits. If Stroud hits, he's going to average 21 points a game. If Richardson hits, he's going to average 26 points a game. And that makes a gigantic difference for your
0: dynasty team. Yeah, I mean, let's get out uh, in front and just say he probably won't hit that ceiling. No, like we, no, we got to be totally not. transparent here it's unlikely that any player is going to hit that level of a ceiling and uh, a guy with a 53% completion percentage in college is definitely not likely to hit that ceiling. It's just that he can Stroud and young cannot like it's, it's, it is impossible by virtue of the way that they play the quarterback position for them to hit that ceiling. You know, Joe Burrow is arguably the second best, you know, if you ask people in Cincinnati, the best passer of the football in the NFL. Um, he's not coming close to those numbers and he has some of the best skill position players in the NFL. So, you know, you put young and Stroud into the absolute ideal situation, which by the way, they will not be in because they're going to Carolina and Houston, most likely, which are far, far, far from ideal situations. Uh, But you put them in that perfect situation and then they become top of the league passers. You're still not going to come close to 25 points per game. So when we talk about these guys and their ceilings, just understand that, like, we're not comparing apples to apples because the outcomes for these guys are very, very different. If they hit the high end, on the low end, it's kind of reversed. The low end for Stroud and Young is probably a lot higher than the low end for Richardson. Like, it's it's pretty unlikely that we're going to see those two guys just based on their pedigree uh, completely wash out of the league within three years. Whereas with Richardson, that is just it's part of the equation. It's absolutely possible. Uh, that he could go that route, because we know that he's incredibly raw, and he just might not develop any of those skills that we said that he's lacking. If he doesn't develop those skills, he's just not going to last in the long term. However, I do have some data here uh, to indicate that he may have a higher floor than some people think, assuming he gets that top 10 draft capital. So I pulled up a little search here. Uh, I wanted to look at every single quarterback drafted since 2011, kind of an arbitrary year i just i think um that was the first year after they restructured the rookie contracts i believe Mm. um just kind of feels like kind of a modern nfl era to me but we had 22 quarterbacks since that year drafted in the top 10 and of those quarterbacks of those 22 only two quarterbacks in that sample started less than 27 games in their first three seasons so we have jake locker and josh rosen Jake Locker dealt with injuries. Uh, He went to the Titans, and he just dealt with injuries throughout his first few years, washed out of the league very quickly. He only played in 18 games his first three seasons. Josh Rosen, we all know, had his disastrous rookie campaign, was immediately replaced with Kyler Murray and was never to be heard from again. But other than that, every other quarterback, 20 quarterbacks on that list, we're talking Blaine Gabbert, um, we're talking Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, Every one of those guys, whether they were good or bad, started at least 27 games in their first three seasons. So when you're talking about Anthony Richardson, don't think that the floor is going to just immediately fall out from under him if he isn't good right away, because the investment from these NFL teams is so high that they are very, very interested in seeing what these quarterbacks have to offer.
1: Yeah, and that's a very good point. And, And another thing is that, All of these top five picks have put up at least one top 15 season going back to 2014. That's including quote-unquote busts like Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, uh, even Blake Bortles. All of these guys put up at least one top 15 season in their first three years. And if Anthony Richardson... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Blake Bortles was, I think, the QB4 at one point uh, in a, throughout a season. So you look at these guys, and if Anthony Richardson is starting, he is going to put up 50 rushing yards a game. He's going to get half a rushing touchdown a game. That is eight points right there. So he only needs 12 points then to be a top eight quarterback, 12 points passing the ball. So that's 150 yards and a touchdown. That gets him there. That's all he needs to do. And it just isn't that difficult, and it's hard for him to lose a lot of value. So what I want to look at for Anthony Richardson's floor is Daniel Jones. Let's compare what they did in their last season in college. Anthony Richardson, big-time throw rate, 5.5%. Daniel Jones, 4.7%. Anthony Richardson, turnover-worthy plays, 3.3%. Daniel Jones, 3.5%. So Richardson was better in both those statistics. Now, Daniel Jones had a completion percentage seven percentage points higher, but his average depth of target was 3% lower. So they were comparable passers. Daniel Jones was a better passer, but not by a significant margin. And if you look at Daniel Jones rushing the ball in college, his last season in college— He had only 488 yards. If you take away sacks, he had 612 yards. He had 7.1 yards per attempt compared to Anthony Richardson's 8.4 yards per attempt. They are completely different level athletes. Another comparison we hear a lot is Josh Allen. Josh Allen in college, 44 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. Similar touchdown interception ratio as Jones. He had a 56% completion percentage, only 3% better than Jones. Dante Culpepper I mentioned earlier way better, not a good comp. Cam Newton, way better, not a good comp. It's really Josh Allen and Daniel Jones are what we need to look at for the modern day comps to a guy like Anthony Richardson. And if you look at their career trajectories of a guy like Daniel Jones, let's talk about what he's done in the NFL. So Daniel Jones was the eighth overall pick. No one liked him. Honestly, no, no one focused enough on just how good of a runner he was in college Um, honestly, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he's white, uh, not to go there, but, uh, I honestly, that matters, uh, when people are evaluating, especially people who aren't doing a good job evaluating and in the NFL, Daniel Jones was instantly terrible. He came in, he turned the ball over 24 times in his first 16 games as a starter for the Giants. His value when he entered was a sixth round draft pick. The next season, he was a sixth round. This is in terms of startups. The next season, he was a sixth round draft pick. The next season, so after two awful years where it looks like he was going to lose his job, he moves down to the seventh round. Okay. So then he goes four and seven. It looks like he's going to be out of the NFL. He's entering the last year of his deal. Are they going to pick up his fifth fifth round option? He is still a seventh round startup pick. Then he has One mediocre season where he only averages 18 fantasy points a game. Not a lot. 18 fantasy points a game. And all of a sudden, he's a fourth-round startup pick entering the last year of his his rookie deal. And now he got an extension. So if Anthony Richardson is going to start off as a second-round startup pick, a third-round startup pick, he's just not going to drop that far. He's not going to – maybe he'll be as bad as Daniel Jones. Maybe he'll be worse than Daniel Jones from a real-life perspective. By the way, Daniel Jones, who went – 12 and 25 in his first three seasons. Maybe he'll be worse, but he's not going to be worse from a fantasy perspective. Daniel Jones was unusable his first three years. So how low is his value floor really? In my opinion, if he plays his rookie year, I see no way he drops below the fourth, maybe fifth round in start value. And even then, You know, that would be look at Trey Lance, who's still going in the fourth round of startups, who might lose his job to Brock Purdy, who has basically played one game in the NFL in a monsoon, and his startup value has barely gone down. The the floor is just not that low, and you're going to get at least a year, more likely three years, to evaluate if you think he can ever hit a ceiling. By the way, I'm not going to go through all of Josh Allen, but Josh Allen had a very similar trajectory as far
0: as his uh, dynasty value yeah you you took a lot of the words right out of my mouth honestly i don't even get me started on the current value of daniel jones because that's not what this show is about but it's it's frankly egregious but it It does show asinine
1: it is is the worst value in dynasty it it is ridiculous another
0: podcast where we ran about daniel jones but uh, yeah let's do that but it it does show you uh the the thirst that there is for young starting quarterbacks in the nfl that have rushing ability because daniel jones scored comparably to Gino Smith, Kirk Cousins last season. And he is just shooting up boards because he's a starter and he runs sometimes. And that's it. Like that, that's really, that's it. And we've already gone over all the reasons that Richardson's ceiling is just so much higher. And you've seen Daniel Jones had all his value insulation because the team didn't replace him and he just kept starting games. And if he's going to start games, then somebody's going to make the argument that he's going to improve and with Richardson you just have this much higher built-in floor because of the athleticism and because of the rushing you know you can expect more rushing yards per game you can expect more highlight plays you know Daniel Jones's biggest highlight play his first three seasons was against the Eagles where he had this long scramble and then he fell down at the end before he got to the end zone (laughs) You know, Richardson's going to do way cooler stuff than that. That's going to pop up on Twitter and there are going to be so many truthers.
1: Yeah. Richardson's going to end that run with a Superman flip into the end zone.
0: Literally. So, you know, you just to bring up some other quarterbacks, uh, you briefly mentioned Trey Lance, who has played, like you said, two games, you know, his dynasty value has hardly taken a hit from when he entered the league. And then I want to also mention Zach Wilson, who Mm -hmm. was like the 106, 107 in his rookie draft. And had the worst rookie season that a quarterback has like ever had in NFL history, and he was a fourth round startup pick the next year. So, it just doesn't matter with these guys. Like they can be bad. Everybody expects rookie quarterbacks to be bad, and when they are, it just doesn't change your evaluation that much. Uh, I guess you can uh, make the another argument.
1: guy. Another yeah. guy that I'd like to mention is Kenny Pickett. Uh, who, again, doesn't run the ball, so in a slightly different mold. But Kenny Pickett was a seventh-round startup draft guy last year. He came out, started, uh, I think, 12 games. He had seven touchdowns in 12 games, nine interceptions. He averaged 12 fantasy points a game, and he is now a sixth-round startup pick. His value increased based on that rookie year performance. The floor is just so high for the value for these rookie quarterbacks.
0: Because they just, yeah, because people just bake in improvement for year two quarterbacks. It's like the whole narrative with Kenny Pickett is, yeah, he had the lowest touchdown rate that we've ever seen from a rookie quarterback. So regression, it's all going to be regression. He's going to go up. He's going to throw more touchdowns, which like in a sense is true. Um, He's not going to throw enough touchdowns to like actually matter for fantasy football and you shouldn't want him on your team. But yeah, he is going to improve. He will be better this year than he was last year. And that gets people excited because They don't know how much better, right? So Richardson comes out. He has a really, really bad year throwing the ball, but he rushes for 10 touchdowns. You know, he's still going to be the starter the next year. And everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, what if he keeps running like that? But he just is like 25% better as a thrower. He's going to be a top five quarterback. And they won't even be wrong. That's the thing. They're not even going to be wrong about that. It's true. Like he will be that much of a fantasy asset if he can pull that off. So the bar just isn't that high. And I think when you parallel that with a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, that's the important thing. It's like, yeah, they could be better as rookies, um, but even the best rookie seasons that we see aren't that good. You know, Baker Mayfield had one of the best rookie seasons we've seen from a quarterback as far as passing the ball. He wasn't fantasy relevant. So you're not using these guys as rookies, you know, you're not going to want to start them. And even if they flash ability, there's still no guarantee going into year two they're going to become like elite quarterbacks. It's still going to be more likely they fall somewhere in that Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr sort of range, which sounds pessimistic, but you know, those guys have been starting for 10 years in the NFL. That's just a realistic outcome. Like it's not common to become a Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow as a passer.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr because Over the last seven years, Kirk Cousins has finished as a low-end QB. He's finished between QB 9 and QB 15 in points per game every single year. Derek Carr has finished between QB 8 and QB 16 in points per game every single year except for one. They're both averaging between 17 and 19 points per game over that time frame. Josh Allen, in his first two years, when he was absolutely dog shit, averaged 18.4 points per game. He was better from a fantasy perspective than Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr have been. And like you said, Kirk Cousins is a pretty good outcome for CJ Stroud. It's not his ceiling. I think CJ Stroud can be better than that. I I don't think he can. He probably won't be Joe Burrow. He probably won't be Justin Herbert. I think CJ Stroud can have a Matthew Stafford type career, right? I, I think he can be a very good quarterback, but he just doesn't run the football. And if you look at the top 11 quarterbacks, Even Joe Burrow, his numbers rushing the ball in college, he ran for 35 yards a game in college. C.J. Stroud ran for two. It's just not even the same scenario. I mean, if you take out Sachs, he ran for about 11. But either way, even Bryce Young, by the way, only ran for 16 yards a game in college. Even he's not a guy like Burrow or Herbert or Lawrence. So it's just really difficult to see a path. I've said before, I don't see a scenario that Burrow or Stroud – get to be a top eight startup pick, really a top 10 starter pick. Because if I'm looking at it right now, you got the big three quarterbacks, you got Burrow, Herbert Lawrence, you got Fields and Lamar Jackson. There's no way that Stroud or Bryce Young could be above those guys. You got Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So if CJ Stroud and Bryce Young's upside is basically, let's say, the the, the one-two turn where guys like Dak Prescott and A.J. Brown are going, Would you trade Patrick Mahomes for two A.J. Browns? No, I would not. Yeah, and neither would most people. So Anthony Richardson has – you've got to decide this for yourself. Is it a 1-in-100 shot? Is it a 1-in-10 shot? Is it a 1-in-5 shot of becoming Josh Allen-level value? That's up to you to decide. But that is double the value of what C.J. Stroud's ceiling is and his floor. Let's do this the other way. Daniel Jones is going at the four eleven. That's about the same part as the 106, which is where Jackson Smith the Jigba is going, or let's say Cooper Cup, or let's say Drake London. Would you trade AJ Brown for two Drake Londons? Yes, I would. Yeah. So CJ Stroud's ceiling is not double of Anthony Richardson's floor. And Anthony Richardson's ceiling is double, is more than double of CJ Stroud's ceiling. Again, you have to assign percentages. How likely is it that he hits each of these? I'm not saying, this is not an easy conversation. But you have to realize just what the upside is and how much you might be giving up by drafting a guy with a limited ceiling
0: like Stroud or Young. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it, honestly, with the the startup values there. And the crazy thing is, if you look at startups where you include rookie picks, you know, Bryce Young or whoever the presumptive 102 is, it was Bryce Young for a while. It's kind of seems like it's CJ Stroud now, but whoever that is, they're already going at the early second round of startups. So it's crazy, actually. It's actually insane that they're going that early, but that's just the thirst for rookie quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're going to see all three of those guys going in that second, third round startup range. And if you have to choose one of them, I, I do think it's, it is pretty clearly Richardson. I was leaning Richardson coming into this. You've definitely pushed me more in that direction um so i can say confidently like if they all go top 10 and i'm on the clock and i am forced to make the selection and not trade the pick or anything like that that i'd be taking richardson for all these reasons you know the, the daniel jones comp is super relevant you know the josh allen comp the the Trey lance all of these guys show us the value insulation that these early round quarterbacks have and you pair that with the rushing floor and the potential upside it just makes too much sense because you can make your own evaluation a year from now if you don't think that that next step is possible and you can probably get everything you paid you know if not more and at worst you're selling for you know 90 percent or 80 percent of what you initially paid so it's absolutely worth it whatever you think the percentage is even if it's like a like a three percent chance it's still worth it based on what your your insulation is it's not this situation where if he comes in and he's bad now you've gone to zero and you get nothing out of it. Like this isn't Dogecoin, okay? This is not that kind of a thing where they're going to pull the rug out from under you, okay? There are going to be warning bells if you pay attention where you're going to be able to get out before the last person in your league gives up on Anthony Richardson. So.
1: And, and the thing about Richardson is whatever team drafts him isn't going to expect him to come in and be good either, which in this case is a benefit. It means he's going to have a longer leash than a guy like C.J. Stroud, who's supposed to come in and be this NFL-ready quarterback who's already knows how to play the game. If C.J. Stroud comes out and sucks, and it's possible, listen, half these quarterbacks bust. I mean, they put up a top-12 season for fantasy, but then they bust from an NFL perspective. So he has a much longer leash because teams will expect him to be bad and unpolished from the start. Um, the one other thing I would say is that coaching staff will matter a lot for Anthony Richardson. So he is my one Oh two right now. I'm talking myself into it. You're talking me into it, but coaching staff will matter a lot as it always does for young quarterbacks, but especially for a guy with these raw tools that is missing
0: some of the finer details of quarterback play. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you, you know, what happens if he goes to uh, like Seattle or Detroit in the top 10 there? And the expectation is that he's going to sit behind Gino or Goff for, an entire season. Does that change the calculus on where you're taking him in rookie drafts?
1: No, I love it. I mean, I I think he could, he could go for having a year off, but all that does is it, it buys you an extra year. His value will be locked in because then there's no way his value will fall. And we already talked about, we don't want to play rookies in our lineups anyways, because rookie quarterbacks from a fantasy perspective, you know, 95% of the time suck anyways. Like look at Trevor Lawrence, look at Joe Burrow. Their rookie years, they were not any good. Justin Herbert, his rookie year was like QB 20 in points per game. So, I mean, it might not be ideal from a dynasty perspective because I do think Richardson could be a solid QB to his rookie year due to the rushing floor. I already talked about it. he only needs to throw for 150 yards and a touchdown to be a solid QB. But I think he'd be fine for his long-term future. And if you look at a place like Detroit, awesome offensive line, awesome weapons, love it. If you look at a place like Seattle, Geno Smith, you know, not the same player as him from a rushing perspective, but there's a lot of similarities from a passing perspective. Geno Smith got a lot better throughout his career, developed into a really good leader, really good teacher, big arm, loves putting the ball up there. I think Richardson could learn a lot from him. And then he's paired with DK Metcalf. So I'm fine with basically any landing spot, especially that has a good coach. Where I'd be worried is Las Vegas. Cause I think, Josh McDaniels is a terrible coach. Um, That's just, yeah, that's a separate point. But any other team, Indianapolis has some, you know, not the best weapons, but they have a good offensive line. It's getting older and getting less good, but a good offensive line and a good coaching staff, Seattle and Detroit, we already touched on Uh, Vegas. We touched on Atlanta. I would love him there because they have Kyle Pitts and Drake London. That would be awesome you know, any of those teams, basically, those are all the teams that he would potentially go to outside the top three. I, I'm okay with it. I, I'm not moving
0: him based on those landing spots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, I, that all makes sense. I agree with you there about the the development behind a, a veteran quarterback. Uh, it's kind of like just holding a future first round pick, basically. it's It's honestly likely to gain value as yeah. you get closer to the time that you actually get to realize that value. And there's no risk of an injury. There's no risk of losing that value due to playing poorly so no you're, you're right i'm all in on that um i hope he doesn't go to atlanta just for the sake of my drake london and kyle pitts shares because yeah, he's not going to be good for their fantasy value but they would absolutely be good for his fantasy value and uh he honestly would make a lot of sense just in that run heavy scheme like opening up even wider rushing lanes with his own rushing ability so from that perspective it would make sense but yeah I, I'm, I'm with you I'm, I'm fine with any of these spots early in the draft or if somehow he ends up in Carolina or Houston, you know, if there's a big surprise there. I think that'll be fine too, because he does create with his legs. He's less reliant on his passing game weapons than a Stroud or a Young would be.
1: Yeah, and and the last question I want to ask you, um, let's say Richardson falls. Let's say he falls to Seattle at number twenty or Minnesota at twenty three or Baltimore at twenty two. Let's say he's a late first round pick a la Lamar Jackson. What do you do with his value then?
0: He would move into a different tier for me. So if Stroud and Young stay at one and two respectively, and then AR falls to the, you know, the 20th pick, 23rd pick, uh, I would be taking those guys ahead of him because, and that might sound weird to people because, you know, we think of it as like a pure player evaluation. He's not any better or worse because of that draft spot, but that level of commitment is just so different in terms of what you're going to expect from, the teams in terms of how they handle him right like you look at like a paxton lynch career um when those guys that get taken later in the draft struggle it's just so much easier for the teams to replace them so you know you're not going to be guaranteed basically those like two to three full seasons of play and that really ups the risk factor because you're just not going to have as much of a of a floor to resell on if that makes sense
1: yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's more likely he'd be replaced after year two. Um, the other thing, and the reason why this is big, the number fourth pick in the draft makes about $10 million a year. The number 20th pick in the draft makes about $4 million a year. So if you're talking about a financial commitment and when a team might move on from a player, if he's drafted in the 20s, it's a whole lot easier to move on from a 4 or $5 million contract to climb that fifth-year option compared to a $10 million contract when you've invested, you know, a top five pick in a guy. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I, I I haven't seen him fall out of the top 10 in really any mock draft in the last you know, few months, honestly, but I just wanted to bring it up as a potential um, just
0: in case. Yeah, no, I, that totally makes sense. Now I'd still be taking him pretty high. Like I'd still take him in the first round, probably take him like right after the JSN Gibbs. Teacher. Yeah. one oh six. Yeah, he's still got to go up there because he still has the ceiling. It's just that Young and and Stroud are going to have that market value, that market resale ability. So the difference between the ceiling and the floor becomes a little bit muddier because they're just going to be so much safer. But still a very high upside pick, still a guy I would would want. Um, You know, if we have time, I wanted to go over one other thing that sort of shakes up this whole quarterback question, um, which is that if I have a 102, 103 pick, the last thing I actually want to do is use that pick on one of these yep. quarterbacks. Me too. Uh, I, I don't want to be picking them because, like I just said, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, whoever the 102 is by consensus, is already going in the early second round of startups. You're talking about like minimal distance from Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, um, within a stone's throw of you know Lamar Jackson value, which is just absurd because these are guys that are proven elite fantasy assets. Like these are guys that have long-term job security that have top five upside that we know is there, um, that we know can play quarterback at a high level. And so it doesn't really make any sense to draft these any of these three guys who are complete unknowns in the NFL when you could just you know, add a little bit of extra and get one of these other quarterbacks. So wherever I have those rookie picks, I am doing everything I can to get one of those quarterbacks before I push the button on Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. I would just so, so much rather uh, pay, you know, a second on top or a a wide receiver two or something and get a Kyler, get a Watson, Dak, Lamar. Like, just make it happen because you're protecting yourself from all the downside and you're locking in the upside.
1: Yeah, and and I mentioned earlier how that, you know, 21 points per game is your top eight quarterback, 23 points per game is the top five quarterback. Mahomes, Lamar, Hertz, Allen, Dak, Watson, Herbert, Kyler, and Burrow have all averaged at least 23 points a game in healthy games since 2018. Um, in that order, Mahomes, 27, Lamar, 27, Hertz, and Allen, 25, Dak, Watson, and Herbert, and Kyler, 24, Burrow, 23. So, exactly. I'm making that change. You're avoiding all risk. You're getting whatever two to six years older, it doesn't matter. All these guys are below 30. Um, Even Dak Prescott, he'd be the guy I would target because he's the cheapest right now. Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, also guys I target. Um, If you can get Lamar, that would be kind of the
0: dream. But I I completely agree with you in terms of trading out of that position. Just for context, I actually made a trade like basically identical to this the other day. Um, I had one startup with rookies included this year so i drafted cj stroud at the 303 in the startup originally which was fine i passed over like a chris alave who i'm kind of like in between but i need another quarterback so it's took okay. um i traded in the other day with Jahan dotson to get dak prescott so yep. that's exactly the kind of deal that you can make like it's possible that I lose that trade in the long run. Like Jahan Dotson breaks out and CJ Stroud also breaks out and ends up going in the same range as Dak. And now I've lost to Jahan Dotson for no reason. But on the flip side, if CJ Stroud isn't any good and Jahan Dotson continues to be what he already is. I mean, is it doesn't
1: matter if CJ Stroud's not good. It doesn't matter what Jahan Dotson does. Cause he's right. not going to reach Dak Prescott. Exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah.
0: the kind of deal where it's like, it's just worth doing, you know, yep. because CJ Stroud's ceiling is basically Dak Prescott in terms of production and draft value um so i'd rather just like pay a little bit extra lock that in i don't have to worry about the risk
1: yeah i traded the uh two days ago i traded the 103 and garrett wilson for lamar jackson and chris Olave.
0: um felt felt awesome that's Um, absolute thievery that makes my trade look stupid
1: no i mean i've been saying you can get a whole bunch for for downgrading off garrett wilson he he's he's mispriced at this point in time uh, but we're getting a little bit off track. We, we've gone long on Anthony Richardson, but this has been a great conversation. Honestly, less about Anthony Richardson and more just about how to value upside, downside, median outcome, et cetera, and in Dynasty League. And I think the listeners should find it very valuable. So before we sign off, because I'm getting some texts from my boss right now, uh, you want to tell, uh, tell everyone where they can find your work
0: absolutely yeah and this has been a great conversation seriously thanks for having me on i love talking uh prospects with you but uh you can find me on twitter at paul underscore dff you can find all my content over at dynastyfootballfactory.com
1: all right sounds good thanks so much for joining and we'll be back with another prospect preview soon